Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. day Nicole comes to the church to drop something off or pick something up and he's cleaning out the entire shared office carrying everything piece by piece up into the attic and um, just just who he is so I asked him I said Josh you know we're trying to figure out who's going to lead what and kind of restructuring some things we're, we, we want to become structured but not um, we want structure but we don't want to become structured we want organization but we want don't want to become an organization uh, we want so so anyway I'm like Josh why are you doing all this why are you do that and his answer was so you don't have to and this is it's just the kind of heart he has, um, just a heart for the house, a heart for the Lord, a heart for his family, and a heart for, for obviously me. So I'm honored he's speaking today. It's been too long, and uh, I love you, man. So proud of you. Love you too, Aaron. <laughs> All right, I'm going to see if this works. Yes, awesome. All right. I've got a few things on my heart that I want to talk about today, but to kind of tell you where we're going before I start, there are two things that I want you to get, and if you get that, you can leave right now, okay? <laughs> One is, and I'm speaking this over each of you individually, to know you is to love you. If people really know you, they'll love you, okay? And the second thing is checking in with people to find out how they're doing. How you doing? And really meaning it. Really wanting to know. Okay? Those are the two things. If you get those things, you'll get everything else that I'm getting into today. So um, the, this is how I think. I really believe, to me, the way I'm wired, it's more important to get healthy people in the church than it is to get people into the church. I'm more obsessed with making sure you're all healthy than making sure people come here, okay? Because I really believe that if you're healthy, people will come here. But if we try to get people to come here and you're not healthy, we're kind of wasting our time, and we're probably going to make them worse as they come in, okay? So I want you to think about something. I want you to imagine something. Um, just focus on this body for a second. What would it look like if we were healthy in every area? What would it look like in the businesses that you're involved in? What would it look like in the schools that we touch if we were healthy? What would it look like in the government, the places we have influence in government, in our families? What would creativity look like if we were just completely healthy? What would our tithes look like if we were healthy? Just, just think for a second of what that would look like. Because one of the biggest standards that we hold, one of the highest ideals we hold is that church should be family. We should function as a family, not an organization, not a business. Doesn't mean that we can't be organized, but we're a family. That's what we really want. That's what all of us really are craving. You come in here because you want to be a part of something that you really um, are family. And the, the other thing I want to think about is what if people who came in here really believe that that's how we believe? 
what if people who outside of here saw us and say, man, that church is family. I mean, that church knows how to be family. And anybody who was craving that knew that if they came in and they stayed long enough, they'd start to feel that as well. We talk about being family, but sometimes I think the way that we interpret it isn't quite right because we think about family reunions and everybody knows that there's like that crazy Uncle Joe. And you're like, yeah, he's family, but we just see him at reunions sometimes. And I have a feeling, you know, sometimes we kind of interpret that as what we should, we kind of have going here. Yeah, there are people here that, okay, yeah, they're family, but that one guy, he's just kind of my crazy Uncle Joe. Yeah, he's family, but is he really, do I want to spend time with him? I think we need to go deeper than that. I think there's something more to doing this. And what if we went, not only were we family, but we were also friends. Why don't you look at this verse? This is one of my favorites. This is John 15, 13. This is Jesus talking. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I think that this is interesting that he says friends here because it always kind of baffled me because Jesus also says, love your enemies, right? But in this instance, he says, you don't have any greater love than if you lay down your life for your friends. And so I was kind of praying into that and thinking about that, and God kind of shared with me, you know, you don't always get to choose your family. You're just kind of born into the family, okay? And... You're commanded to love your enemies, okay? You, you have to choose to do that. It's not an easy thing to do. But to lay down your life for a friend, you have to first choose to be their friend. And then you choose to lay down your life for them. You can't get any greater love because you've, you've transcended. You're not just deciding to love your enemies. You've gone past that. You're choosing to be friends, and now you're choosing to lay down your life for them. So I wanted to talk about um, today about fitting in. I don't know if you've ever felt like you don't fit in, but sometimes I kind of feel like this. Something just stands out. Something just doesn't feel quite right. Everybody else around me seems like they've got it together and they know where they're going, and I'm kind of the polar bear with the mask on. I've gone through this probably most of my whole life. The furthest back I can remember was just a, as, a, as a kid in preschool. There was a group of kids that were playing Superman, and I wanted to play too. And in fact, I had a Superman t-shirt on. I thought, man, I'm going to fit right in with these kids. And so I go over there just thinking they're just going to notice my Superman t-shirt and automatically say, hey, man, you must be Superman. You can come play with us. And I go in, and, and I walk up to them, and they're like, what are you doing here? We don't want you here. And that was probably where that seed started is, oh, you don't fit in. There's something wrong with you. There's something, something the matter. And so, um, you know, it's gone through a, a good part of my life. In elementary school, I was teased a lot. It was a real struggle for me to, to get through elementary school. And so what I learned to do was try to become invisible because if they don't see you, they can't tease you. And so I would try to, you know, hide in the, in the corner or just not say much. I got real quiet and um, because it was a self-defense. Well, later on in life, um, 
I had an opportunity to become an exchange student, and I lived in South America, in Chile, um, for a year. And when you're there and you're blonde, I was blonde at the time, I wasn't always gray, and, and you're from the United States, you don't have to try hard at all for people to want to get to know you. Everybody wanted to know you. Everybody, you know, and I didn't have to make any, everybody wanted to know the guy, the gringo. Everybody wanted to, to talk to me. You know, little kids would come, and I'd, I'd walk through, like, the second grade, past the second graders, and they'd all be waving to me and, and, you know, wanting to give me high fives just because I was the blonde guy from the United States. And so, you know, I started to feel more comfortable with who I was, and you'd think having a dose of that would kill it, the thing is, though, every time I started over, it would happen again. You go to college, and you're like, oh, I don't fit in here. You go to another place, and you just keep feeling like you don't fit in. And what I found is even when I first got here to Upper Room, I still had that program in my head that instead of trying to find why I fit in, I'd be starting to think, what is wrong with me? Why don't I fit here? So I'd go into Aaron and Nicole's group, and I'd think I was too old. <laughs> I was the oldest one there. And, and so, you know, I'd be thinking, well, I just, I must not be able to relate to them because I'm just too old. So then I'd go over to Greg Simmons' group, and I'd think I was too young. <laughs> and so i like, well, why don't they have an in-between group? What's wrong with this? And so now I go to both groups. But then I, at the time, I didn't have an iPhone, so I thought there was something wrong with me because everybody else had iPhones, and I didn't, okay? You see how easy it is to find reasons that you don't fit in, the reasons you don't belong? Then I looked around, and all these guys have, t have tattoos, and I don't. What's wrong with me? I don't have a tattoo. And then I realized also we have a bunch of hunters in this church. <laughs> and I, I don't hunt. I don't mind having other people kill animals for me. I just don't, I don't particularly care to kill them myself. I'll do it if I have to. But, um, And then, as Aaron mentioned, as I came up, you know, being a stay-at-home stay dad was a challenge. Just because, you know, there's so many fewer guys who are stay-at-home dads than the moms, and it just carries a lot, of, a, a lot of shame. So I would look around and find reasons why I didn't fit in, what was wrong with me. But, you know, this church is really loving. This church is really great. They want you to be family. And so I've been here about three years now, and you'd think I'd be over it. But a month ago, we were going, uh, a group of our uh, uh, leader men were going to this conference out in Atlanta, and... Um, I was telling, right before I left, I'm telling Angie, I just don't feel like I fit in with these guys. And you'd think I'd be over that by now. But you got to think who I was with. First, there's Aaron Simmons. <laughs> He's this powerful, charismatic leader. He's the lead pastor. He knows everyone. Everybody wants to hang out with this guy. Then, there's Greg Simmons. He's the Miami County Commissioner, for goodness sakes. He founded this place. Okay, he's the patriarch of the Simmons family. And don't forget, Matt Simmons. He's the Troy Fire Chief. Okay, he's the eldest Simmons son. He is so confident. He's a go-getter. And don't forget, Steve Bowen. 
He's got decades of ministry experience. He's, got, he's lived both in the U.S. and abroad. He's planted so many uh, churches. He's written his own book, Go So. Uh, just an amazing man of power. And then probably the most intimidating presence, this powerful, fearless evangelist, Micah Level. <laughs> he's just spewing testimonies out of him. He, anywhere he goes, he can't help but share the gospel. He will stand out in a crowd and shout the salvation message shamelessly. And then there's me. <laughs> Two-time church plant failure, former burned-out senior pastor and all-around coattail rider. <laughs> I know, I know. I shouldn't think that way. I'm just telling you what I go through, magnifying it a little bit. Okay. Here's the thing, we tend, at least I can say, I tend to be programmed to figure out why I don't fit in, what there's wrong with me, why I don't belong, okay? And to an extent, we should feel that way in some situations. As Christians, Peter tells us, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. We're strangers and aliens in this world. We don't quite fit in in the world. But the thing is, it shouldn't be that way in the church. We shouldn't feel like we don't belong here. And so um, it's not abnormal to feel like you don't fit in the world, but it is abnormal to feel like you don't fit in the church. At least it should be. There's something called um, an orphan spirit. And if you don't like that term, you can call it the spirit of slavery, okay? Which basically hardwires you into thinking um, you don't fit in. You don't belong. And if you ever do, you have to earn it. You have to work to fit in. You have to work to belong. And all of us have this struggle when we're born. We're born into this orphan spirit. You can raise your kids perfectly, and they're still going to struggle with it. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I hear my kids say, I call the front seat. I call the last bit of ice cream. Or, or everybody's favorite, if you've got more than one child, no fair. Right? Any, if any parent hasn't heard no fair once in a while, then you don't understand parenting. And it's, it's because it's that orphan spirit. It's basically saying you have to fight for everything you get. You have to be good enough. You have to measure up. You don't just belong, and you're in competition with everybody else around you. Contrast that with the spirit of adoption. Okay? And Aaron's going to going to write some wonderful things about this, but I'll just, I'll just kind of start a little bit about it. If you've not, this is from Romans 8, 15. If you've not received a spirit of slavery or an orphan spirit leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. A son doesn't worry if they fit in. A true mature son just knows they fit in and they can be great not because they have to, just because they know that they are. For me, it really, a lot of it boils down to comparison. It boils down to you're always either feeling worse than other people or looking down on them. That's the orphan spirit. I look at other people, and I'm looking, well, where do I measure up? Where do I fit in? Well, I'm a better speaker than they are, so I must be better than them. 
or, oh, they're such a great speaker, so I'm no good. I don't even belong here, okay? It's always that comparison. Orphans will strive to, to fit in, but sons will recognize they belong, and they're going to act in, accordingly, even if the people around them don't affirm it. Even if the people around you don't feel like you fit in, if you are a son or daughter and you know you belong, it doesn't matter what they think because you know you belong. I want to um, read what this, uh, what scripture says about, about <coughs> comparing yourself. There's a nice scripture that I think addresses that. Galatians 6, 4. This is in the Amplified. But e- each one of you must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, attitudes, and behavior, and then he can have the personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. Not comparing yourself. You do what you should do, you know where you belong, and you don't have to compare yourself to what other people are doing. See, the problem is that comparison is based in fear. It's basically based in, I won't fit in if I don't measure up, or I'm afraid that they're going to surpass me, or they won't recognize my greatness if I don't show them how great I am. Listen to um, a better way to do this. This is um, from 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to start with uh, verse 12. For, every, for even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body... Though they are many, are one body, so also in Christ is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. The foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It, it, is, not for this, or it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. It is not for this reason the, any, the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on those we, we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the, the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that, they, so, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. We're all part of the body. We're all part. We're just part of it. We're just part of the bigger picture. If we see each other like this, you know, Paul was really brilliant to give you that analogy because if we see each other like this, we're going to recognize we're important, but we're not too important. 
there's a nice tension and balance in that. You know, you can't really say, well, I don't really need a hand. I don't really need you. You're just a hand. You know, get out of here. Or you can't really say, um, um, a beautiful face can't say, I won't lay down my life for the lungs. Yeah, you would. Yes, you're going to. doesn't matter if we see you. If you don't have the lungs going, you are going to lay down your life by choice or not. It is going to happen. What if this is you? You're this great, amazing eyeball. All right? I'm good. I don't need the rest of my body. It's not going to do you too much good. Or what if you look at yourself and you say, well, I'm just the pinky. You know, I'm really just the pinky in this body. You know, what do I really matter? You know, the pinky accounts for about 50% of the power in your hand. It's for grabbing and pinching. And so, so if you lose that pinky, you're going to lose a lot of that power, what that hand can do. So we can't look at each other and say we don't need one or we don't need the other. I want to show you a, a, a puzzle here. Which piece in that puzzle is the most important? There's, there's no right answer. Which piece in this puzzle is most important? The one that's missing. That's the most important piece in the body. Most important part of the body is the one that you don't have going. And that's why we need to be looking out for each other. That's why we need to, to, to be considering one another. So saying all that, recognize all that, I haven't heard anybody stand up and disagree with me, so I appreciate that. But there are still, still times, still people, myself included, there are times you, you feel like you don't fit in. And so I want to give you some things that you can do. Um, I want to talk about some ways that, that, that we can do this. You know, don't try to be a third eyeball. If you're not an eyeball, you're a spleen, be a spleen, okay? Don't try to be another Micah level. We've already got one, and he's doing a pretty good job of being it, okay? Be what God made you to be. But don't be, because you see that you're not created like Micah level, don't make that, make you afraid to do some of the things that he does either. Just do it the way that God made you to do it. You don't say, well, I'm not an evangelist because Mike is created to be an evangelist, so I can't do that. No. How did God create you to do it? Well, how did he make you to do it? But if you're still struggling, I would bet that most of you could come up with some ways to deal with those strugglings. It's kind of like this. If it'll... You got video or sound for that? I'll just, I'll skip it. Here's some things. If, if we don't belong, if we feel like we don't belong, here's some things, um, ways that we can go about this. First thing is realize that I'm worthy to connect. Recognize that you are worthy. And how do you get there? You have to spend time with God. Just spending time with people is not going to help you realize that you're worthy. Okay. Even the best people, they're going to fail you. They're going to point out something that's wrong with you. And if they, you know, if, if, um, if you think that that's true, then you're putting your faith in people and not in God. So spend time with God. Pray. That's just talking to him. Let him talk to you. Listen. 
wait. Write down things you might feel like he's saying. Get into scripture. See what scripture shows you about yourself. You know, spend some time recognizing. I want you guys to say this out loud with me together. Because another thing to help you realize who you are is to start having some good positive self-talk. So instead of saying I don't fit in, I want you to say to know me is to love me. Okay, ready? One, two, three. To know me is to love me. Go home and say that till you believe it. And then say it some more. Because you have to believe that. It's true. It's how God made you. God made all of us. I've worked with people who've done terrible crimes, terrible things. But spending time with them, you can almost always find something that you can say, okay, I can love that. I may not love the things they did. You know, I may not might love that, but I can, I can connect with that. And then the second thing is look around and ask myself, am I doing things that I should to connect? Are you in a small group? It's a great way to begin a connection. Okay? Um, find people that are going in a direction that you want to go and spend time with them. And then while you're with them, um, you know, let them accept you. Let them love you and love them back. But also recognize, okay, I went to the small group one time and I didn't feel connected. Connection and intimacy takes time. Okay, we live in a culture where we think we should just be able to have everything now. We, we joke about, you know, fast food. Um, you can do dating just really, you know, speed dating, you know. You can, um, right now, you can get friends really fast if you just open your Facebook and click friend me. Well, you think those are friends, but those aren't really friends, okay? Just, just as a side note, there are studies that say, that recently they've done, that, that people who spend more time on Facebook tend to be more depressed because it's an artificial substitute for real, actual human connection, Okay? So don't let those other things take the place that you're like, well, this has taken too long. I, can't, I went to the group three times, and I don't feel like I belong yet. Keep at it, because that's called relationship. Sometimes it starts out superficial until you finally hit a spot where you can actually connect and get into something deep. Okay? We have to learn how to persevere. When, when you first, uh, there, you know, I don't believe in something uh, like love at first sight. I believe in, in lust at first sight because there are three parts to a relationship, okay? Passion, intimacy, and commitment. You can have passion right away. Those are the fireworks that, that launch as soon as you see each other. And you can decide to be committed, but intimacy doesn't come unless you've been with them for a long time. Intimacy only grows. You can become more and more intimate in a marriage as you go. But it's hard. You can't be intimate the first date. It just doesn't work. There's a worldly definition of intimacy, but that, you know, into me see doesn't happen unless you take time. And so we just have to accept that, that getting to know people, feeling like you fit in, can, can take time. Um, then ask yourself, where are my challenges? Areas that I might be a more difficult person to connect with, that might make it more difficult for me to, to, to fit in. Um, am, am I hesitant to volunteer? Am I hesitant, you know, have I committed myself to things like, have I put my picture on the family wall? 
outside, we have a, in, in the, the side room back there off the narthex, we have a family wall. And if you want to become part of the family, you, you hang a picture up. And it's a simple thing, but it takes some commitment to do it because you've got to remember to bring your picture that week. But you've got to decide this is important enough to me that I want to be a part of this family that I'm going to simply put a picture up. We had discussed of having a photographer available so that anybody who wanted to do it could, could take their picture and put it up that week. But that's not really intimacy. If we make it too easy, there's got to be some level that I'm going to actually take a step out and do this. Okay? I'm going to commit to doing this. I'd encourage you to do that. Do you tithe? Money is a good measure of how committed you are to something. I'm not begging anybody for money, but I, I, I want you to know, are you willing to give? You find out how committed are, you are when, you, when it hits your pocketbook. Some of the challenges that I, I face, you know, it's introversion. It's self-confidence. It's, it's those kinds. For other people, it could be narcissism. You know, I just think I'm, I'm better than everybody. It doesn't matter what your challenges are. Figure out what they are and then decide what are you going to do. Don't look around and, and recognize you have challenges and expect everybody to adapt to your challenges. It's your job to figure out you have the life that you're choosing right now. It's the sum total of your choices. Be honest about your needs. Okay? Ask people to pray for you. That's a wonderful way to start to connect with people. Just say, hey, man, could you pray for me? I've got this going on in my life. Would you be willing to pray for me? Now, don't be that guy who's always complaining and, and saying everything they have going wrong in their life, okay? But if you've got something big, go to people and start to, start to open up. Start to trust people. And then ask yourself, what are my strengths? What do I bring to the table? What is something that I have here that it could be a simple thing that I can bring that, that maybe uh, would help, would fill in. If you're going to compare yourself, compare yourself positively, not how makes me better, but, you know, I'm looking and I see there's a, there's a gap here. What can I do to fill this gap? I'm not thinking I'm better than anybody, but I'm recognizing there's something I can bring to the table. And, you know, ask yourself, why was God a genius to put me here? Why was God so smart to put me in this body? What part did I play? And so, you know, I was you know, telling you at the beginning how I was struggling with figuring out how I fit in. I'm going with this powerful group of guys. I'm imagining, you know, they're probably all going to be seeing miracles and leading everybody to the Lord. And I'm going to be sitting in the corner sucking my thumb. And, and so, you know, finally God just gives me peace. He's like, Josh, you are somebody who is good at connecting to people. You're a listener individually. You are somebody um, who is safe. That's one of the biggest things is, is people, t I know a lot of people's garbage, and I don't share it. It's, I, I need, I want people to feel safe in here. They can tell stuff, and, and they, they say things, you know, whether it be in sozo or counseling or just one-on-one. -on -one. I don't want people to feel like there's going to be a bunch of slander smeared. And so the first guy that I met on the plane, I sat next to. We all sat in different spots. <clears throat> we're, we're, we're on this plane to Atlanta, and uh, this is Dr. Sir Walter Mack Jr. And uh, he's the first person I met. And so I'm like, I'm friendly. I'm just going to talk to this guy and say, you know, see how he's doing and see what he responds back. 
And I had a great conversation with him. He actually um, was getting his doctorate at United Theological Seminary, flying back to um, Atlanta. And um, he has a church in um, Winston-Salem of like 5,000 people. And so I'm sitting next to this guy, and we're just having this conversation. He's telling me about how they minister to drug dealers. And I'm like, well, how do you do it? And he's like, it is, you would not believe how easy it is. Basically, you just go out and you tell them, you know you want a better life than this. Come on, we'll tell you how it can be better. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that is probably that easy. <laughs> and so we're having this great conversation. I'm telling him about what we're doing, and, and he's talking about what he's doing, and, you know, just kind of casually. And then um, at the end of the, the flight, we're arriving in, in Atlanta, and I'm, I'm like, Micah stands up, and he's like, excuse me, everybody, I'd like to share the gospel with you. And he's just yelling out, you know, God loves you so much, he sent Jesus to die. You can see it on Facebook if you want to. He does it all the time, though. And normally I might have felt some shame because I wasn't doing it, but I'm like, no, I'm in the place where I should be. I'm communicating with this guy here. And so, so um, Dr. Sir Walter Mack Jr. says to me, he looks over to me and he says, we need more of that. And I look back at him and I said, that's one of our guys. And so I ended up, I said, I said, would you pray for me? And I, I, I humbled myself. And I said, I, you got something I want. Would you pray for me? And he was happy to pray for me. He just poured out, blessed me, you know, and that kind of thing. And so it wasn't about me having to measure up. It was me realizing who I am and coming alive in that. That's all it was. Okay, but there are some of you who um, really do feel like you fit in. I haven't been preaching to, to you all this time because you really feel like, hey, I do belong. I don't struggle with this. Let me give you guys some suggestions too. All right? So first of all, um, talk to the people around you, especially the ones you don't know. If you're not sure if they've been coming here for a while, okay, I'm still not really good at this because I'll, I'll meet somebody, have a great conversation, and forget but um, if you're not sure, here's a great way you can lead into it. Excuse me, have we met? Okay? And then I'm blaming it on my memory if we haven't. Okay? But if we haven't, they say, no, this is my first time. Oh, good. I don't have to ask, are you new? <laughs> All right? So, so take time and check in with people. And then ask people how they're doing. How you doing? And mean it. Like, really mean it. Not just the casual um, I'm acknowledging your presence, how are you doing? But how are you, how are you really doing? How, how are things going? And when they tell you something that they're struggling with, offer to pray with them about it and then check in later. How's it going? What's happening with that? Anything better? Um, consider how you would want your children to be treated if they showed up, whether it's in the church or somewhere else. Not just how you would want to be treated. I, I think it's better think, okay, you, you, you step foot in the church, it may be a little different, but if I'm thinking... All right, my kids, if they were adults, they're, they're walking into church, how would I want people to treat them? What kind of friendliness would I want? Would I, you know, and then try to treat people that way. Try to treat people the way you would want. These are some, everybody here is somebody's child, right? So try to do that. The fourth one is carry the weight of helping people feel they belong. Don't just put it on the leaders. Everybody thinks they have a friendly church that goes to that church. 
It's the people that don't go to the church that need to think your church is a friendly church. Okay? And so we need to have eyes just focused on people outside, whether it be outside this building or even just this is their first or second time here. Um, and then don't make people have to earn being a part of the family. There's a, a good story in Scripture that talks about this. Um, David, before he was um, king, there's a story from 1 Samuel 30. The Malachites had raided um, the camp. David and his men were away. They raided the camp, and they, they took all their, their wives and children, and they ran off with them. And David and his army, they come back, and they're just wrecked. They just don't know what to do. And so um, the, the, men, the men want to stone David because this happened. And then David goes, and he, he just strengthens himself. And then he consults a prophet, and the prophet says, if you go now, you will overtake them and get them back with spoils. So he's like, okay, good deal. Let's go do it. So he takes 600 men, and they go. But on their way to get there, a third of them, 200, get worn out. They, they, they're just too exhausted. They can't continue. So the 400 that are left continue, and they actually overtake the Malachites. It's just a huge victory. They get all their wives and children back, plus plunder, plus whatever spoils was there. And this is how they reacted. When David came to the 200 men who were too exhausted to follow David, who had also been left at the brook Besor, and they went out to meet David, and to meet the people who were with him. Then David approached the people and greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men among those who went with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. So they're kind of jealous. They kind of don't like that these guys were not with them. Then David said, you must not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us, who has kept us and delivered into our hand the band that came against us. And who will listen to you in this matter? For his share is who goes down to battle. So shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall all share alike. So it has been from that day forward that he made a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. See, we need everybody. It doesn't matter what place they're going, where they are. Everybody, when, when we have a victory, there's no such thing as an individual victory in the kingdom. When one person wins, we all win. When one person struggles, we all struggle. The bottom line, really, is love. If you feel like you belong, you love, and you bring other people into the family. If you don't feel like you belong, you choose to love, and then you start feeling like you belong. It's just, it's just how it works. Don't think so big of yourself that you don't need anybody else. And don't think so small of yourself that you don't believe anybody needs you. We're all part of the big body. We're all part of that. can't have a good car if you have a bad radiator. You can't have a great football team if, if all you have is a really good wide receiver. You can't have um, a strong body if all you have is one strong arm. 
We're all just pieces of it, but we need every piece to be strong. We want everybody around us to be strong. Stop thinking of yourself as just yourself and start seeing yourself as part of the body, part of the big picture here. I want to even go beyond that. We are more than just upper room worship center. We are part of the body of Christ. Okay? So we're not just one church. We are part of the big church. This is who we are. When we bring his glory, when we have a victory, the Baptist church wins, the Methodist church wins. You know, all of the body wins. It happens. So I want to I um, tell you a, a last story about my flight coming back from Atlanta. You know, once again, I'm, I'm feeling better, and these guys have really accepted me, embraced me, and we, we're just talking about great stuff, really connecting. I'm really feeling like I belong. And that's the bottom line is I don't want to fit in. I want to belong. I don't want to fit in. If, if we fit in, then we're just like that third eyeball. We've got an extra eyeball. So we all have eye, we're all just a bunch of eyeballs. That, that fits. Everybody matches. Now, I want to belong. So I'm feeling like I belong. I'm on the flight, flight home, and I sit down next to this lady, and I'm doing my thing, just being friendly, talking with her. And she's asking what we're, you know, what's my flight from? And I said, oh, we were, on a, we're pastors. We're on a ministry flight. Um, went to a conference. And she asked me what it's about, and I said, oh, well, part of it is there's, there's a guy that kind of fathers our church um, named Leif Hetland, and he um, is doing a lot of ministry in, in uh, like, Muslim areas like Pakistan and, and, and that kind of thing. And she said, oh, I'm a Muslim. I said, oh, okay, what do I do here? And God was like, just, just listen to her. And so come to find out... Um, she, she has been traveling. She grew up in a Christian family. She's been traveling back and forth um, for about 10 months to uh, visit her mother, who's sick in Dayton. She's from Atlanta, and every other month, she and her sister switch off, and they stay a month, go home a month. And uh, we're just having this great conversation and talking about life and things, you know, family and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, she's just really engaged, enjoying talking to me, and I'm thinking, God, you know, what do I share with her? And he said, he, I just felt clearly, just love her. Just be with her. Let her connect. And we had this wonderful conversation and just really enjoying talking to each other. And as we're, as we're finishing up, um, I can hear Micah in the background doing his thing again. But she is so focused on me, she doesn't even hear Micah. Because she's feeling the love coming from me. And as we're going, um, she said, I, I, I said, I want you to know that God really appreciates the way you're honoring your mom as, as taking that time and coming back. I want you to know that. And she says, well, I hope he does. I said, no, I, I know he does. He really does. And then she said, this is the, I've been doing this 10 months. This is the best flight I've ever had coming back and forth. I didn't see her, you know, give her life to Jesus that day, but I felt God was using me. God had put me in that spot. So I want to take a second as we finish up here. I want to let you guys um, get back into groups and ask each other how you're doing. And then we're, we're going to, I'm going to close with that. And um, I don't, do we have a, a team here? If not, that's, that's fine. Pick some people. I don't care. Stand up. And 
ask each other how you're doing. And it can be, if you don't know people that well, it's okay to say, hey, just pray that I get more money. Okay? Because, you know, knowing each other takes time. So you don't have to share your deepest, darkest, worst fears. Just say, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Take, take three minutes, do that. And when you find out how they're doing, just say, is there anything I can pray for you for? Or, or could you pray for me about this? <laughs> 